Sports News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. War continues to rage in Israel as Israeli forces plan their advance into Gaza on the ground to try to, in their words, wipe out Hamas. In a show of solidarity with Israel, President Biden set to travel to the region. On Wednesday, President Biden will visit Israel. He's coming here at a critical moment for Israel, for the region, and for the world. And he's coming here to do the following. First, the president will reaffirm the United States' solidarity with Israel and our ironclad commitment to its security. President Biden will again make clear as he's done unequivocally since Hamas's slaughter of more than 1,400 people, including at least 30 Americans, that Israel has the right and indeed the duty to defend its people from Hamas and other terrorists and to prevent future attacks. The President will hear from Israel what it needs to defend its people as we continue to work with Congress to meet those needs. Meantime, on Capitol Hill, House Republicans continue their search for a new Speaker of the House with Congressman Jim Jordan of Ohio failing to secure the votes needed during the first ballot with 20 Republicans voting for various other candidates. For more on this and more, we bring in our panel. Member of the Wall Street Journal editorial board, former chief speech writer for President George W. Bush, Bill McGurn, Washington Bureau Chief for USA Today, Susan Page, and Fox News audio political anchor and Washington correspondent Jared Halpern. Uh, Jared, first to you on Capitol Hill. it, it seems like Jordan could go backwards from that first vote. That's certainly the concern from from close allies of Jim Jordan. And, and the thought is because there had been some holdouts for uh, Jim Jordan who sort of acquiesced and said that they would support him, but but cautioned on the first ballot. So it's kind of a big question mark as to what the next couple of votes uh, may look like. And I think if if you're Jim Jordan, you certainly want to show progress, right? You want to have uh, fewer defections on a second vote than you did on the first. If it goes the other way, one wonders what that means. Does the House Republican Conference go back, try and find another nominee who can get 217 votes? But so far, that path still seems um, really uncertain at this point, Brett. Susan, this is ugly. Uh, this is ugly, Susan. It's it's um, it's exactly what Democrats wanted, which was this vote to be uh, Jeffries, Hakeem Jeffries with two twelves and Jordan with two hundred. That's what's on the scoreboard, and uh, and the Democrats held together. So you know, look into the crystal ball. What happens here? <laughs> so hard to blame Democrats for what's happening with the Republicans, who now for two weeks have been unable to elect a speaker. After ousting one, I mean, this is really not something we have ever seen. No end in sight. You know, what you're hearing now um, is talk to empower Patrick McHenry, who is the speaker pro tem, to give him more power so they can get back to business while this gets sorted out. Because, frankly, there's not an alternative, a single alternative to Jim Jordan who's emerged, even as it looks less likely that he's going to get over the finish line himself. 
Yeah, Bill, your thoughts? Uh, yes, it is ugly. Uh, at this point, I think um, the dynamic is that it doesn't matter as much who is the speaker as that the Republicans have one. Every day, every vote uh, makes it look worse for them. I will say the first vote, a lot of first vote is posturing. Yes, Jordan could lose votes, but he could also win votes. A lot of people will want to be on record as selecting first. Maybe they're in Biden districts and they want to go on record casting a vote against them. I, I hope so. I hope they're able to pick someone because it uh, certainly doesn't do anything for the party. And we contrast that with Nancy Pelosi. She, too, was a speaker that had a very slim majority, but Democrats proved uh, more disciplined under her speakership. And that was why she was able to accomplish great things and frustrate Republicans. Yeah. Jared, I just think uh, the thought process was that the Middle East situation would somehow unite the caucus uh, and just have it want to move on. I think there's a lot of want to move on, but not a lot of united. Yeah, I, listen, I think that there is a sense of urgency that you hear across the board from Republicans that want to move forward. But listen, I think for a lot of Republicans in the House, this is still really fresh. It was just two weeks ago that um, a, a very small group of House Republicans were able, uh, along with Democrats, to oust Kevin McCarthy. An awful lot of Republicans still very upset about that, uh, feel like uh, they don't want to as I've heard from a couple of folks, don't want to reward those who did that. And so I think that's playing into this as well. The idea of a consensus speaker or, or empowering um, you know, Patrick McHenry is, is interesting as well. I think a lot of people sort of poo-pooed that idea several days ago when it first kind of emerged. It seems to be picking up maybe a little bit of momentum. Um, there are, I think, constitutional questions. I'm not an expert on, on that part of the law, but maybe some constitutional questions about how far you can empower uh, sort of a speaker pro tem or an acting speaker. Uh, so far, uh, though, it seems like Republicans are willing to sort of go back to uh, uh, each other, see if they can rally around Jim Jordan. And if not, uh, who who can emerge? Is it Steve Scalise again? Do they go back to, to Kevin McCarthy. I'm not sure what, what the path forward would look like, but it is clear that there are still a lot of, um, you know, personalities and policies here that, that have not been reconciled amongst Republicans over the last couple of weeks. Panel, we'll hold it right there. Meantime, Susan, uh, the president traveling overseas to Israel uh, and was scheduled to meet with Mahmoud Abbas uh, in the West Bank, but that has now been canceled after the bombing of the peers of a hospital in Gaza. Now the IDF is saying late this afternoon that it was Islamic Jihad and a missile that backfired. We don't have the ground truth as of yet, but that's what they're saying. Uh, it seems like the president is standing by Israel, but uh, trying to urge caution at the same time. Yes, I th it's clear that the president's been very outspoken standing with Israel. He hasn't used um, equivalency. He's been he's been very clear that the United States stands with Israel. I mean, it's one reason the speaker election makes so much difference because you can't at the moment bring up additional aid to Israel until that situation gets gets settled. 
But you see this terrible, terrible tragedy of the hospital in Gaza, more than 500 people uh, killed there. It shows how volatile this is. Whoever is responsible for that uh, bombing, and the Israelis now say it, it was an errant Palestinian missile, whoever was responsible, it underscores kind of how, what a hair trigger this situation is on. And one of the things that uh, President Biden has done every time he has spoken is to talk about the need to follow uh, international law, to, to keep in mind humanitarian concerns. Of course, we still haven't managed to get uh, uh, people of American citizens who are trapped in Gaza out of there. There is a lot of really delicate diplomacy that's going to go on, go on during this trip. Yeah. And Bill, it is, you know, you can't, we don't know the ground truth as of yet. And we, I'm just telling you what the IDF forces are saying. Um, but it is true that Hamas has used uh, places like that to either launch rockets from or house uh, weapons, et cetera. And that's the trouble is that, uh, you know, Gaza is just filled with those kinds of things. Yes. Uh, I mean, we talk about the 30 Americans killed and this is about 15 hostages, U.S. hostages over there and maybe 199 Israeli. Um, we don't talk about the Palestinian people. The whole population of Gaza is being held hostage by Hamas because they locate their um, uh, missile launchers in hospitals, schools, other areas that are off um, off limits. And it would be nice when we hear international norms invoked, someone apply them to Hamas. They're... Their whole raison d'etre is to defy them. I mean, they got up in the morning one day and said, let's go about our business slaughtering civilians, grandmoms, babies, children. And uh, now it's all just one way. It can't it can't operate that uh, we have to apply it on both sides. And that means the Hamas side. We, we kind of give them a pass and don't expect them to do it. But I think they forfeited uh, a lot of rights by the way they did it. It's different even from 9-11. 9-11 uh, attacked civilians, yes. But they were primarily interested in taking the buildings down. And when they did it, they were removed from the victims. They were in planes uh, overhead. They, the, Hamas went right up to people. Uh, face-to-face and slaughtered these innocent people. So, yes, I'd like to see international norms uh, obeyed. I'd like to see them start with Hamas. And, Jared, lastly, obviously, Capitol Hill is weighing in every step of the way here. Uh, I said that we don't have the ground truth other than what the IDF put out, but Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman, uh, put out this. Israel just bombed the Baptist Hospital killing 500 Palestinians, doctors, children, and patients, just like that. Uh, POTUS, this is what happens when you refuse to facilitate a ceasefire and help de-escalate. Your war and and destruction only approach as opened by eyes and many others. Obviously, she's come to a conclusion. Well, uh, sure. And and we'll see again. I, I think the fog of war is always tough. Uh, in the immediate aftermath, we'll see where the the facts lead. Uh, I'm sure that the U.S. intelligence is going to take a look at this as well. And and hopefully we get the facts because this is 
uh, a, a catastrophic tragedy, um, th- this explosion at a, at a hospital. Uh, I think for Congress's point of view, though, there still seems to be broad bipartisan support that uh, the U.S. Congress is going to be supplying Israel with additional aid. It sounds like the White House may be working on a package that would combine Israeli assistance, Ukrainian assistance, maybe uh, some border money as well, kind of all of those things that that got moved aside during the last uh, CR spending bill. And, you know, you saw, for instance, the, the bipartisan Senate delegation led by Chuck Schumer go to Israel. You've seen other members of Congress um, talk about the, the close relationship, and, and it really hasn't been a Republican or Democrat issue by and large. There has been um, almost a, a a sense of unity that I think we're not even accustomed to reporting on so much lately between Republicans and Democrats on the issue of, of U.S. support for Israel right now. Whether or not this event changes that, I think, remains to be seen based on the facts that, that we learn about this incident. Yeah, and lastly, Susan, uh, the president's interview was 60 Minutes. One of the things uh, was asked about Iran, and he continued to say that there is no direct tie or they don't have intelligence of the direct tie. Yet Iran has warned Israel uh, that they will help on an attack or do something if Israel goes into Gaza. Uh, it has celebrated the Hamas uh, uh, attack. And, you know, you have different news organizations citing different sources saying it was a direct planning element. So it's interesting, this disconnect on Iran. Yeah, well, I assume the president's telling the truth that they don't have direct evidence of their role before the attack. But there's no denying that Iran has been the sponsor of Hamas and continues to be. We we see that in their their response since the, the terrible events of the Hamas, Hamas attack on on Israelis, uh, it it makes you know we've seen the uh, that six billion dollars in uh, money that had been unfrozen for Iran refrozen in effect. Now uh, this makes our diplo- diplomatic efforts with Iran very hard to imagine them going forward uh, for the time being. Yeah, and we'll follow every element of it. Now for a bit of history on October seventeenth, seventeen seventy seven, British General John Bourgoyne. Uh, surrendered to American forces, ending the Second Battle of Saratoga. American General Horatio Gates accepted the general's uh, Borgorn surrender and agreed that the British forces would be sent back to Europe. Borgorn returned to England following the shocking defeat, was never given another commanding position in the British Army. The battle was a turning point in the war. When news reached Europe of General Gates's victory, it led to negotiations between King Louis XVI and the United States to enter the Franco-American alliance, providing a much-needed aid for America to eventually win the war. Revolutionary War, that'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and a review. We want to hear from you. For Bill, Susan, and Jared, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts and Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app.